Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Today's reading is taken from the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 to 16. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, Do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everyone, and firstly, huge thanks to Priya, who recorded that reading from Mumbai Airport. Uh, Priya and the family have been in in India over Christmas and have been struggling uh, to get back. Uh, Thankfully, they are now back in glorious Croydon. But uh, yeah, huge kudos to Priya for uh, commitment to the cause and recording that reading uh, in an airport of a different country. Thanks, Priya. 
In June of 1941, at the polo grounds in New York City, champion Joe Louis faced up to challenger Billy Conn in the world heavyweight title bout. Joe Louis weighed in a massive 25 pounds heavier than Billy Conn. And so Conn uh, took a different approach to normal. He was nimble and quick-footed. He spent the first part of the fight ducking and dodging and diving and weaving, coming in for flurries of quick punches and then moving away to avoid Louis' superior power. By the end of the 12th round, Billy Conn was up on points. But in the 13th, he came out with a different strategy. He decided he wanted to show the world he could match Joe Louis punch for punch. That was a mistake. Joe Louis knocked him out cold and won the fight. A few years later, in the run-up to the rematch, a reporter asked Joe Louis how he was going to cope, this time with Billy Conn's nimble, quick-footed style. And Joe Louis replied, he can run, but he can't hide. And that, apparently, is where that expression originates. You can run, but you can't hide. It could, however, just as easily have been used as the subtitle for the first chapter of Jonah, written some two and a bit millennia earlier. You can run, but you can't hide. Jonah is called by God, but runs away from that calling. But he fairly quickly discovers you simply can't hide from the sovereign creator, God. We're going to be spending the next three weeks in the book of Jonah. And I've got to tell you, it is just a brilliant book. There is so much in there. It's fun and funny and engaging and interesting and has so much to offer us. You may know the story of Jonah well. Or you may think you know the story of Jonah well, having heard it in countless Sunday school stories. Regardless, I'd really recommend, if you get the chance today, just take 10 minutes, that's all it will take, and read through the whole book. There's only four chapters, and honestly, it will take you less than 10 minutes. And it's well worth it to get a picture of the overall narrative of the story. I'm going to briefly retell it in just a moment, but before that, we just need to deal with something which, uh, to some extent, is a bit of a red herring, but we just need to touch on briefly. One of the questions that people often ask when they first read the book of Jonah is, but is it true? By which they actually mean, is it an historical account, or is it a parable? a bit like the book of Job or uh, the stories that Jesus tells in the New Testament. Actually, either way, uh, we're committed to the fact that this is true, that this speaks truth uh, into our lives. This is uh, a debate that is not primarily actually about uh, the seemingly impossible events that take place within the story. After all, we believe in a God of miracles. Uh, But it's actually to do with the context of the book, to do with the style that the book is written, use of humor, hyperbole, personification, etc., to do with uh, the similarities and the differences to other genres within the Bible and to the ways that it references and is referenced in other parts of Scripture. We don't have time to go into all of that now, but if you're interested or if uh, one way or another it's a stumbling block for you, do please be in touch. Uh, Give me an email. I'd love to chat about that with you. 
But for now, whether we believe this is a historical account or a parable, what we can agree, I think, is that the reason that the author wrote this book and the reason that it's included within the canon of Scripture is not primarily as a historical account, but rather as a way of opening up deep and glorious theological truths about God and about ourselves, and that it does so in a beautifully spectacular way. So, on with the story, buckle up. God calls Jonah to go and preach to the city of Nineveh, a notoriously nasty city filled with nasty people. But Jonah, for reasons that we'll come to, uh, says, nah, and he legs it off in exactly the opposite direction, going so far as to get on a boat because, well, surely God can't reach him on the water, right? Well, as we've already said, Jonah quickly discovers that God can reach him. You simply can't hide from him. And God sends a storm as a way of reminding Jonah, not so subtly, uh, to return to the calling that he's put upon his life. Jonah is actually asleep at the time, but gets a wake-up call from the sailors. Jonah at this point realizes what's going on, and he knows that this is God's way of calling him back. But instead of uh, saying, okay, God, I'm sorry, I'm going to turn back to you, uh, he doesn't. He goes for a bit of melodrama. You'll notice as we go through the book of Jonah that he's a bit of a whinger and he's a bit of a drama queen. He has some redeeming features too, but here we have drama queen Jonah. He says, oh, you must throw me into the waves. It's the only way. And so, well, the sailors are a bit reluctant, but eventually when they run out of other options, that's what they do. They throw Jonah into the sea. Uh, The sea calms down for them, and they worship the Lord and make sacrifices to him. We could do a whole sermon just based on that, but we're not going to have time for that this series. So Jonah is plunged into the murky depths, but God has not given up on him. He's not finished with him yet. He sends a big fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah, from inside this big fish, prays to the Lord, both in praise and also in pleading. And after three days and three nights, Jonah, in one of the most glorious visual images in the whole of the Bible, is vomited up onto the beach. He decides he will go to Nineveh after all. He goes there and preaches the word of the Lord to the Ninevites, who amazingly, from the king all the way down, repent of their sins and turn to God. Hallelujah! Right? Well, amazingly, not for Jonah. In chapter 4, we go back to whingy Jonah again. And in this chapter, I imagine him speaking a bit like Kevin from Harry Enfield and Chums. Oh, God, you're so unfair. I knew you were going to do this. You're so annoyingly gracious and compassionate and loving. I knew you were going to let those people off the hook. So unfair. And so Jonah storms off out the city up onto a hillside where he sits down, and the sun begins to bake down upon him. And God decides to use a bit of a visual metaphor to help Jonah understand just how much he, God, loves the people of Nineveh. He causes a vine to grow up uh, over and above Jonah to protect him from the sun. And Jonah, understandably, loves that vine. But then the next day, God sends a worm, the vine withers, and the sun beats down upon Jonah again. 
God says to Jonah, well, you're pretty angry about that, aren't you? Jonah says, yeah, of course I'm angry. I loved that vine. And God says, you think you loved that vine, which you didn't even do anything to tend or nurture. How much more do you think I love the people of Nineveh, who I created and have tended and nurtured? Of course I don't want to destroy them. I love them more than you could possibly imagine. And that's where the story ends. We don't get to hear how Jonah responded to that because, well, I guess actually that's not important. The purpose of the book is to show us that God is a God of love, that his nature is to be gracious and compassionate. There's a whole bunch of other themes we can pick up along the way to do with calling, to do with running away, to do with repentance and prayer and evangelism. But the thrust of the story is to show that God loves us more than we could possibly imagine, that he is a God of grace and mercy and compassion. So, with all of that in mind then, let's go back to chapter one, which is what we're going to spend our time in today. Right at the beginning of chapter one, we hear that God calls Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now in this instance, it was a specific calling to what we might call evangelistic preaching. And we'll come to that a bit more in talk number three. But for today, I just want to focus for a few minutes on a more general sense of calling. What is a calling? What does it mean to be called by God? And how do we discern that? I wonder, if I asked you, do you have a calling? How would you respond? I suspect we'd find a whole range of different answers. And so I want to dig into that just a little bit. See, I think that we have two types of callings. We have specific callings, and we'll come to those in just a minute. But also, we have a general calling. That is, that, as, that we, as followers of Jesus, as Christians, we all have a unifying calling on our lives. And that is to take our part within God's universal mission. How do we do that? Well, we're back to the same things we've been talking about time and time again. We live out that calling by obeying those two commandments that Jesus called us to. To love the Lord your God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Actually, if we live those two things out, we can't go far wrong. If we live those two things out, we will be uh, adhering to God's calling on our lives. To love God and to love neighbor. And so if at the moment you don't think that you have a specific calling on your life, or you're not sure about it, or you're in the process of working it out, well, don't worry too much about that. For now, focus on that general calling of God, to love him, to love others, and to play your part in his universal mission. That said, I do believe that God has specific callings on our lives at specific times. It might be a calling to a job or to a role that you might play within a church or community. It might be a calling to a specific place or to a particular relationship. 
we can have different callings at different points in our lives. It might be that God calls us to be a teacher at one point in our life and to be an accountant at another point in our life. It might also be that we have uh, different callings at the same time in our lives. Maybe we're called to play a particular role within a church whilst also being called to a particular place or a particular relationship. God does put callings on our lives. But how on earth do we work out what those are? We had a really interesting chat about this in our home group uh, on Wednesday. It was, it was just a brilliant chat. I love our home group. And um, it turns out that actually as people were thinking about their calling, there were so many different ways that they described how they uh, understood what God was calling them to. And the way I'd like to use to help us to think about that now is um, uh, shamelessly plagiarizing the Alpha Course. In, their, um, in one of their sessions on hearing God, they talk about the five CSs. And I want to use those to help us think about how we might discover God's calling in our lives. How do we hear what God might be calling us to? Uh, and these five CSs are in no particular order. So the first one we have today is compelling spirit. As we seek to discover God's calling, we want to be hearing what his spirit is saying to us. The more time that we spend with God, the more attuned we become to hearing his voice. The Holy Spirit is sometimes called the paraclete, he who walks alongside, leading and guiding. And we hear his voice in all sorts of different ways. Some people hear an audible voice, not many I think, but some people hear like that. Some people feel an overwhelming sense of rightness or an overwhelming sense of peace. Others feel little nudges or a gut reaction. Like I say, the more time we spend with God, the more in tune we become to hear what his spirit is saying to us. The second CS is common sense. I love the fact that the Alpha Course uh, puts this in. It's so easy as Christians to be overly spiritual, to be super spiritual about everything, and to think that boring, mundane things like common sense couldn't possibly be from God. Which of course is ridiculous, because God gave us the gift of common sense Of course he wants us to use it when discerning what he might be calling us to. It's common sense that I'm probably not called to be a pilot or an ophthalmologist. It's common sense that if you're really good with your hands, that you might be called to be a carpenter or a fashion designer. It's common sense that if you have a heart to care for people, that you might be called into a caring profession. Or if you have a genius mathematical brain, that you might be called to use numbers. Let's use common sense as we seek to work out what God's calling us to. The third CS is commanding scripture, reading the Bible. The Bible is, of course, a central way that we hear uh, the voice of God in our lives. Maybe it's a verse that we've read a thousand times before, but at a particular time, in a particular place, suddenly it clicks for us, or it makes sense in a new way. It might be that you have a favorite verse or chapter or book of the Bible and that that informs the way that you live out your life. It might be that as you read through the whole narrative arc of the scripture, maybe you read the Bible in a year, for example, that uh, a particular theme really stands out for you as you read through. It might, of course, be that actually you think you have a calling from God, but you read the Bible and it becomes fairly obvious fairly quickly that that couldn't possibly be what God is calling you to. God speaks to us as we read through his Bible. And the more time we spend in the Bible, the more attuned we become to God speaking through it. Fourthly then, we have counsel of the saints. 
That is to say, chatting with people. As we were talking about this in our home group, it was really interesting to note a couple of different ways that this happened for people. Uh, one, was, uh, one person was uh, mulling over a calling they were wondering about in their lives, and so they went to some trusted, wise friends to seek their advice. For another person, they were secretly thinking about a calling, and then someone else rang them up uh, out of the blue uh, to talk to them about the very same matter. Do you have people in your life who you know who you know love you, but who you also know will be honest with you. They're really good people to seek wisdom and advice from. And then fifthly, the final CS is circumstantial signs. This is another really interesting one. These circumstantial signs are things that, uh, looking from one perspective, people might call coincidences, but looking from a perspective of believing in a God who loves us and cares for us and wants us uh, to live a fulfilled life, living out our calling, a God who interacts with us, are, are pointers, nudges in a particular direction. Have you ever had um, an occasion where, just in the space of a few days, you get the same Bible verse cropping up five times? Well, that could be a circumstantial sign. Or perhaps sometimes something just uh, falls into place in a really unexpected way. Or indeed perhaps something that looks like it was going to fall into place doesn't. All of those things can be circumstantial signs, ways of God uh, trying to speak to us and nudge us in the right direction. So, at this time when I know actually that because of this awful year that we've had and the uncertain year ahead... There are lots of us who, for a variety of different reasons, are trying to work out what God might be calling us to, who God might be calling us to, or where God might be calling us to be. I really encourage you to, uh, to look into those five CSs. And don't make the mistake of just going with one of them, because you can get yourself in a world of trouble by doing that. If we end up just following circumstantial signs, <laughs> that could be a disaster. If we end up uh, just using common sense, well, we're fallible. If we uh, just try and hear what God's Spirit is saying to us, that's a good thing, but we know that over the centuries, people have gone wrong uh, by doing that. So, uh, you know, don't, don't just go in one of these uh, CSs, but try and weigh up, balance out a few of them. Be a really helpful way for discovering what God might be calling us to. So, God called Jonah. That's verse one. We've got 15 more verses to go. Uh, don't panic, they're not going to take as long, I promise. Jonah runs away from God's calling. He's not having any of it. We'll come back a bit more uh, in uh, talk number three to, um, to think about the reasons behind that. But he runs away from God. I wonder, have you or are you running away from God or from God's calling on your life? General or specific. It's an easy thing to do, to turn away from God. That's what Jonah does, and he literally goes as far as he can in the opposite direction. But, as we've already discovered, back to Joe Louis again here, Jonah discovers that he can run, but he simply can't hide. You see, we can run out on God, but God never runs out on us. This first chapter of Jonah fits in beautifully with those three parables that Jesus tells of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son, all of which in subtly different ways speak about the fact that however far we get from God, 
He is never far from us. He never gives up. Jonah, interestingly, is asleep at the crucial moment of God calling him back to himself. At the point when God sends the storm, Jonah's asleep. And you know, it's really easy for us in those points when we run away from God to be asleep. A lady in our home group spoke to us about the fact that she was called to be a nurse. But actually, she twice ran away from that calling. She ran off to business school, first of all, but God still called her to be a nurse. She became a nurse, but, well, nursing, as we all know, is really tough. She ran away from it again, but God called her back to it again. In each of those times, there were wake-up calls for her to prompt her to come back to God's calling. It's easy in those times when we run away from God to, to be asleep, to be sleepwalking through life, to become oblivious to the fact that the decisions that we have made or are making are having a profound impact upon ourselves and also on those around us. That was the case for Jonah. He had a literal wake-up call from the sailors. I wonder if today might be a wake-up call for some of us, a realization that actually we've been running away from God's calling but that he is calling us back to himself. Jonah does recognize that. He still makes the mistake of not just repenting, turning back to God and saying, okay, as we've already said, he gets the sailors to chuck him overboard. And that today is where we're going to leave our story, with Jonah in the murky depths. It's why I've decided that we won't finish with verse 17 of chapter 1, but we'll start with that next time before continuing in chapter 2. I think it's right that we leave Jonah in the murky depths, being tossed this way and that, not knowing which way's up, drowning. I wonder if that's a bit how you feel at the moment. I think with everything that's going on in our world, that's completely understandable. But also, actually, often, whilst we're in the process of seeking to discern God's call, we can feel like that. It's rarely easy. It's rarely simply a light bulb moment, although that often comes as part of it, perhaps the culmination. It's easy, I think, sometimes to look at the Bible and think that God spoke really clearly to them in ways that he doesn't to us. You know, God said to Moses, blah, 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 and he did it. God said to David, blah, 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 and he did it. But you know what? I don't actually think that God spoke more clearly to people in those days than he does now. It's just that when you recount something, you tend to put it in shorthand. I can and have often said that I am called, or you know, that God called me to be a vicar. Sounds really easy. It doesn't begin to go into all the ins and outs and ups and downs and toing and froing that happened as part of that process. And so if you're in the midst of that right now, firstly, you're not alone. That's really common. Secondly, you're not alone. God is with you right in the midst of it. And thirdly, why not investigate some of those CSs to see if God is trying to speak to you in a particular way and point you in a particular direction? My hope is that for us as individuals and for us as a church, in the midst of this very uncertain time, when there is so much up in the air, 
that we might know something more of God's calling in our lives. Next week, we're going to look at what happens to Jonah when he's within the big fish. And there's an awful lot of crying out, calling out, lamenting and praising that goes on in that. And that too, I think, will resonate for us uh, in the world that we currently live in. But for now, let's look to him. Let's try and hear his calling on our lives, that we might live it out more fully, being called deeper into God and further out into our world. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.